听 Grandeur YYFM. You're listening to YYFM. It's time for tales around the teapot, just for you. The mystery of the disappearing knickers, written and narrated by Diana Parsons. Diminutive Doreen, Dee Dee to her friends, has always been most demure. Demure, diminutive Doreen, brought up proper, as they say, in a working class family, to mind her own business. And to keep her mouth firmly closed at any hint of trouble. So her eighty charmed years on this planet have been conducted impeccably. No traumas to put her in the crowded PTSD category. No skeletons in her well-ordered cupboard to leap out and cause a scandal. No, nothing going wrong at all. Until. Past month, which has presented her with a terrible dilemma. She does not know what to do, or where to look for help. She has no practice in dealing with such goings on. This has caused her to have myriad night terrors, tossing and turning on the vast terrain of her king-size bed, trying to work out a solution to this. Turbing problem. The other morning, she found herself upside down facing the bedhead, with no bedclothes to be seen, all because of her racing mind. Why on earth would anyone want to even contemplate what had been happening to her? She is totally baffled. The best white combed cotton. Has always been her first choice to cover her neat buttocks. Nothing slinky or sexy. No temptation there for anyone, surely. And no sweaty patches for her either, from that cheap and nasty synthetic material that brings you out in a rash, in unmentionable places. Pure cotton. Of the best grade, or nothing at all. The crepey skin on her wizened face creases into a wry smile at the very thought of nothing at all, because it might become a stark reality if this pattern continues. Today it's not yet nine o'clock, and she is already dressed, in a fashion, ready for the day. She can't remember how many times she has worn this fluffy jumper, but it is one of her favourites. And does it really matter? There's no one else to know. The tomato stain on the front is almost imperceptible to her roomy glance, and it's warm, and reminds her of her sister Violet, who knitted it with Angora wool. Lowering her light frame gently into the chenille-covered armchair 
that was her beloved Arthur's retiring gift, she rests her precariously wobbling head back against the security of the firm upholstery, sighing deeply. Her mind whirls. She has to rest, but she can't. Too much going on in her head. She goes through it all over again because she is determined to solve this. 31 pairs of knickers, one for each day of the month since the autumn leaves began to fall at the beginning of October. She manages a little laugh as she considers the possibility of her shedding her knickers like autumn leaves. Fully aware that some people think she isn't very with it, some people she wishes wouldn't think that way, Dee Dee knows differently. She is totally in control of all her faculties. Facts are facts and cannot be argued with. It's the last day in the month of October with 31 days. And she is 31 pairs of knickers down. She regroups this thought in her head because it sounds quite rude. 31 pairs of knickers are worse off. That's better. She shakes her head from side to side. The tiny curls from her last poem jiggling about like little worms. She is absolutely staggered to realise that she even had so many to lose. Angus would have been apoplectic at the very thought. Seven pairs of underpants was his maximum. Thankfully, he never looked in her drawers. Well, not at her massive stock of underwear anyway. The man from the care agency is standing in front of her now. Who let him in? She must have dropped off again. She hates doing it because all sorts of things happen when she's asleep and not paying attention. She tuts, remembering so many changes she can't explain, like furniture moving around to where it shouldn't be, rooms changing shape tea spilling and messing up her clothes without her even knowing. That tomato must have come from somewhere. The man is telling her it's time for lunch, when she knows it's definitely not. Why doesn't he just leave her alone? She was in the middle of solving the mystery. Bernard. Yes, that's his name. She remembers now because he's just told her. His cheeky face is smiling hello. Today, she thinks she might like Bernard, who has only recently started calling three times a day to make sure she eats regular meals. This has all happened since that daughter-in-law of hers put the cat amongst the pigeons by suggesting to her beloved son Peter that things weren't quite right and mother needed an eye kept on her interfering busybody. Doreen had heard them chatting in the hall in what they hoped were 
hushed voices, but she had heard every single word. Nothing wrong with her ears or the space between them. Forgetting to eat? What a load of nonsense. Not remembering to change your clothes? Try these new ones. I don't want new ones. There's nothing wrong with these ones. Just try. Okay, but only if you go in the hall while I do. Shut the door. There's nothing wrong with me. Those two are losing their marbles, not me. And why don't they know who the Prime Minister is or what day of the week it is? They keep asking me all these questions. A tray with a plate of steaming soup appears on her cantilever table. Must be Bernard again. He's asking her to lift her feet so that he can manoeuvre and position things for her to feed herself. He is coaxing her to spoon that disgusting green stuff down her throat. She's never had soup for breakfast. Who does? What's the matter with him? He won't leave until she's finished it all. So on she obediently plods. A sudden flurry of activity heralds the arrival of Susan the Sorcerer, otherwise known as her son's wife. Dee Dee does not look up. She has become transfixed by the bowl in front of her. She seems to remember that she has tried so hard to like that woman her son married, but it has become too much of an effort. All take, no give. She closes her eyes mid-swallow, bracing herself momentarily to make the effort to summon a smile to her vacant face before she forgets. Susan arrives in a haze of stinking perfume and plonks her bulky body down into the rocking chair. It creaks ominously in protest as Bernard disappears through the kitchen doorway behind Doreen. In his limited experience of these two, these moments are often tense and give him the opportunity to do something else. She hears him busying himself washing the dishes. Doreen smiles at Susan in a dotty old mother-in-law way she knows Susan will be expecting. The response is one of controlled dislike of her and displeasure at having to be there in this old-fashioned house that needs a good clean. It is then that an idea begins to flirt playfully on the edges of Doreen's conscious thinking. Yes, it's time for some mischief. Some days she's really good at it. Leaning forward, she motions to Susan that she wants to speak to her without Bernard being able to hear. Susan grudgingly inches her overweight torso to the edge of the tilting chair, very nearly taking a dive onto the fireside mat. Doreen restrains a giggle. Susan, dearest, Dee Dee hisses in a stage whisper. I'm quite concerned. Bernard has been pinching my knickers. He has a fetish for them. <laughs>
Could you please ask him to give them back when he's finished with them? A look of absolute horror begins to creep slowly across Susan's face at the same moment as Bernard turns to stand stock still in the kitchen doorway behind Doreen, his face a mirror image of Susan's. He lifts his forefinger to his head and twirls it round, indicating that Doreen has lost it. Susan nods in agreement and Doreen, guessing what is going on behind her, sinks further back in her chair to continue her assassination of Bernard's character until he can stand it no longer. And he runs past Doreen and the open-mouthed Susan to exit the house, slamming the double-glazed door behind him. Susan hauls herself out of the rocker, sending it into a frantic ricochet and chases after him, calling out that of course she doesn't believe Dorian and would he please come back? All to no avail. Dorian sneakily permits herself a little smile as they both leave her home. She pretends to doze off as she gloats inwardly enjoying her little victory for now. Deal Camrando in YYFM and fwy o gynnwys fel hyn i ddiliniad lein ac i ar y ni wybod beth hoffech chi gwywed nesaf, ewch chi it's yyfm.com. Thanks for listening to YYFM. For more content like this, to follow us online and to tell us what you want to hear more of, visit it'syyyfm.com.